Welcome to Stay at Home, Mom, with your illustrious host, Leslie Goodgesell, mother to six beautiful daughters, wife to an amazingly hardworking and supportive husband, homeschooler, and homesteader in the making. Join me on this journey, this blessing of what motherhood looks like. of our 18th wedding anniversary, this episode is going to be dedicated to my husband. (laughs) Thanks for joining me on this episode of Stay at Home, Mom, where I talk about my husband. I know that kind of freaks people out because a lot of women complain a lot about their husbands, but that's not what this episode is going to be. In this episode, I am going to share a little bit about my story and who my husband is to me and why we've been able to make it 18 years. (laughs) I know we did an episode talking about what he says and how he perceives motherhood and my role in our relationship, so it kind of gave you a little bit of an insight into how the dynamic of how our marriage works. But there's a whole other side of my story and where I came from. And I didn't make the best choices growing up. I didn't always choose the right things when it came to relationships. And I was quite careless with my heart and who I gave it to. So when I finally came to an understanding of my true value as a human being and as a woman, it took a lot for me to tell my husband or my future husband, hey, I didn't save myself for you. And his response was probably the most humbling thing that I have ever heard in my entire life because he looked at me and he said, I don't care what you did in your past. That's made you who you are today. And what I care about is who you are right now and who you're going to be in the future. And with that, I was like, yes, marry me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I did know right away that I would marry this man long before we even had that conversation. It's an interesting thing because he isn't the first person that I had given my heart to. He wasn't the first person that I thought I was going to marry. But in every relationship that I faced up until James and I started dating, I prayed fervently for the will of my creator to take place in my life. I wanted to make decisions that I knew would be for the betterment, for the best of who I was supposed to grow into because we are who we are, but we're always growing and evolving and hopefully becoming better. I don't know, some days I'm like, ugh, that was totally my worst. But for the most part, we're always striving to do better and be better and achieve more and never really fully content in our skin because we always believe that there's improvement that can be made. So I wanted somebody in my life that would encourage me and spur me on and sharpen me as a believer, as a child of Yahweh, as somebody who wanted to impact this world. I needed somebody to come alongside of me to do that. And it took a lot of heartbreaks to get there. And this man who I knew from afar, I knew as an acquaintance for about five years, And then entered back into my life, both of us having moved out of state and eventually moving back to the same area and connecting. Before I even knew him, the Lord had impressed it upon my heart to write down every character trait that I wanted in my future husband. Everything, every man I had ever met that I had admired, I'd respected, everything that I thought I required to honor 
a man, that's what I needed to write down. And I'm so glad that I was encouraged to do this because I actually did compare those other men that I gave my heart to. I compared them to that list. And I'm going to tell you, they got really, really close. They all had every character trait except maybe one or maybe two, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, you can't find the perfect one. And I tried to dismiss it. But the reality is, even though I tried to dismiss it, that was very foolish on my part because the person who had those specific character traits was actually out there. It just took some time for me to be patient enough for Yahweh to bring him to me. And it wasn't even him like, I don't know, gift wrapping him and sticking him in my mailbox and me opening it necessarily. But it did kind of come in the way of mail because he private messaged me or IM'd me or however you want. There's different terms for it now. Back then it was instant messaging and he asked me to come hang out with some friends. And I thought, okay, I just moved back to the area and I didn't really know anybody. So yeah, let's go hang out. So we did. And that night, I instantly was attracted to him, which was so weird because up until that point, I was never attracted to him. He was, <laughs> I always thought he was such a nerd, but there was something different. Really, now that I look back, the difference was me. The difference was made in my heart, in my perception. Who I was was different than who I was five years before. I left that night and I remember praying on my way home because I thought, Yeah, I do not want to be attracted to this guy. I have dedicated my life to serving you, that I was going to be single. I don't need to be dating anybody. I don't need to be married. And I was happy and content, just me and you. And I went home and I really felt impressed by the Spirit to open up my Bible, because that's where my list was, and turn to my notes and read through that character list of who I wanted to marry. And having known James as an acquaintance, he met every single thing on that list. So really, that first night we hung out, I knew I was going to marry him because I knew he was the person that I had prayed for for the last six years. I kind of put that in my back pocket for a minute because I thought I'm not going to be one of those crazy people who goes up to somebody is like, I'm going to marry you. And I don't know what kind of stories you've heard. I don't know what your background is. I don't know where you come from. But this is like a common thing that happens in the Christian world, which I think is absolutely insane. Just it grosses me out for some reason. I don't know if it's still like that because I haven't dated in a while. But that's how it was when I was single. Anyway, I thought, I'm just putting this in my back pocket. I'm going to confide in a friend that I really trust who also knows him and be like, hey, this is what I'm praying about. This is what I'm seeing. And I need you to hold me accountable. And she did. And she did an amazing job. And it didn't take long for James and I to decide that we were going to start dating. And that's a funny story because I trapped him in a moving car and was like, listen, we've been talking. And he was like, I can't run away. But the conclusion was the same. We were feeling the same. I'm just the more overt. I'm just going to confront something head on. I'm not just going to like brush it under the rug and pretend like it's not happening. I don't have time for that. I don't play games. I just want to be honest and real and say, hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm feeling. If this is not compatible, if this is not what you're feeling, then let's not waste our time. I'm not going to waste anybody's time. And I'm kind of like that with all people. It wasn't just like my future spouse. I'm like that with friends too. Like, hey, if we aren't clicking, like that's totally fine. If if you feel like this isn't going to be the best friendship for you, I get it. Like that's life. Not everybody gets along. No hard feelings. We can go our separate ways. And that's what I kind of confronted him with. Like, 
this is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on inside of me. I would like to pursue this further. And he was like, yeah, I feel the same way. And I was like, great. And then I went and told everybody we were dating (laughs) because I was super excited. And he's an amazing guy. So we dated for a few months. We started dating in mid-October, late October, by mid-January. I don't know the exact date. I'm really bad at keeping track of stuff like that. Um, He proposed and then we were married on June 11th of 2005. So our engagement, our dating, everything was really short. The whole span of our relationship up until marriage was a total of about eight months, (laughs) which seems short to a lot of people. But we had been acquaintances for five years. We understood the character of one another, but we weren't young, like 19 year old kids anymore either. We were 25. Well, by the time we got engaged, I was 26 and he was 31. We weren't these little kids who didn't have any life experience under their belt. We kind of knew what we were doing. We knew what we were looking for. And in our minds, there was really no point in waiting. So we got married and pregnant right away. And we've had some bumps down the road, and I've talked a little bit about that. You know, he ran me over with a semi-tire. We've we've had some things, which every relationship does. But one of the things that has kept us together for 18 years is that we have preferred one another. We have become best friends. We were acquaintances, and then we became friends, and then we became best friends. Honestly, I feel like that was the most healthy progression of a relationship I've ever had, and I had never experienced anything like that before, and I feel like that is a huge key to our success in our marriage. But another thing that has really impacted our marriage is my husband loves Yahweh with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, and all of his strength. And he really does everything he can to live in a way that honors and glorifies him all the time, even when it makes him super uncomfortable. He is an incredibly humble man. He will never tell you that about himself. But because I'm his wife, I'm allowed to brag. (laughs) I'm allowed to tell you the best parts of who he is because his best parts have made me the best version of myself. I'm still growing and I'm still learning. I have so many things that I still need to do. Going back to scripture in Genesis chapter 2 verse 24, it says, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and join into his wife and they shall become one flesh. This is talking about the marriage union and the covenant that you make with your spouse. And my husband took that literal. He didn't like write off his family. He wasn't like, okay, I'm done with you. Now I have a wife. I'm going to start my own family and we no longer communicate. He still honors his father and his mother in a way that has completely humbled and taught me how to do the same when I didn't really fully understand what it looked like to honor your, well, my father's gone, but to honor your mother and your father in a way that really glorifies Yahweh. When we said our vows, that was part of our vows. He would lead me and I would follow him, that he would direct our steps and I would stand in agreement with him and encourage him. That's something that we continue to go back to is the vows that we made to one another on our wedding day. That covenant that we made, even though there was a pastor standing there and there was this whole congregation of our friends and a family and the people who loved us and encouraged us, that covenant, that was between me and him and Yahweh. There was nobody else involved in that. And that's kind of how we try to keep our relationship, just him and I and Yah. It's not that we don't look for counsel or seek counsel and wisdom from others because we absolutely do when it's necessary. But ultimately, we always go to the word. We always go spend time 
with the one who created each of us because we're created in his image. He knows exactly who he's created us to be. And if I don't seek him to know what my husband needs when my husband can't even vocalize it to me, I can't be the wife that he needs me to be. Another verse that I wanted to talk about, which I think is super powerful, and this is something that a lot of people refer to when it comes to marriage and the roles in marriage that we take, but it's in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to start at verse 19 because it kind of gives context. It says, speaking to each other in psalms and songs of praise and spiritual songs, singing and striking and the strings in your heart, the master giving thanks always for all to Yahweh the Father in the name of our master Yeshua HaMashiach, subjecting ourselves to each other in the reverence of Elohim. Wives, subject yourselves to your own husbands as to the master, because the husband is the head of the wife, as also Hamashiach is the head of the assembly, and he is savior of the body. But as the assembly is subject to Mashiach, so also let wives be to their own husbands in every respect. In my eyes, and how James and I have viewed this scripture, because I know a lot of people misuse and take this scripture out of context and use it in an abusive manner to kind of make it sound like, well, women are below men. You need to bow and you need to just obey whatever your husband says. And it's been used in a very abusive way to spiritually abuse women, almost tell them that they just need to shut up and be quiet and sit down. And that's not what it's saying at all. Because if we look at how Yeshua HaMashiach, our Savior, and the example that he set, what he did for the body, that is not what he did. He encouraged her. He built her up. He gave her a voice. He set a standard and made a way for her to glorify our creator in it. And that's what our husbands are supposed to do for wives. They are supposed to do the exact same thing. We are subjecting ourselves to their leadership in sense that they hear from our creator as we hear from our creator And when we subject ourselves and say, okay, I'm going to honor and respect you, then we are in unity with one another. And that doesn't necessarily, it doesn't put him above us to the point where he is better or he is greater or anything like that. It's a subjection of willingness out of love. Kind of like when in scripture, when it says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Not that our husbands are God or not even our savior. But it continues into verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Mashiach also loved the assembly and gave himself for it in order to make it holy and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word in order to present it to himself, a splendid assembly, not having spot or wrinkle or any of this sort, but that it might be holy and blameless. Do you hear that? Husbands. Love your wives sacrificially so that your wife is spotless and blameless before her creator. The love that husbands are to give to their wives is supposed to make us the most pure form of who we are. That is a huge calling. That's heavy when I read that. And when James reads that, he does that. And it blows my mind when I look at this man and think, How do you do that in such a way that I don't even realize how powerful it is, but he makes me a better version of myself always, even when he's like, I know you're struggling in this area. I know this thing's really hard for you to overcome. Just take a breath and remember you can't. 
it's just amazing how he loves so well that it leads me to repentance. And that's what scripture says, right? That the love of Yahweh will lead men to repentance. It's not condemnation. It's not constant correction. It's actually love that leads us to be the best version of ourselves. And it continues in verse 28. In this way, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but feeds it and cherishes it, as also the master does the assembly. Because we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Going back and quoting Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. This secret is great, but I speak concerning Mashiach and the assembly. However, you too, everyone, let each one love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she reveres her husband, that she respects him, that she agrees to support him and encourage him in the things that the Lord has called him to do. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, In the same way, husbands live understandingly together, giving respect to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the favor of life, so that your prayers are not hindered. In this chapter of First Peter, he's, he's talking a lot about living peaceably in the spirit, but he wants our husbands to lead peacefully. He wants our husbands to be understanding. And your husband can't understand you unless you're communicating with him. And this is something that my husband has taught me. He has been an incredible leader. There's actually never been a time in my life I've ever had a relationship with anyone where communication has been very difficult, but also very vulnerable and very healing. And my husband has taught me that it's never been easy for me to just communicate, which seems weird, right? I've got a podcast. It seems like it should be second nature for me. I can just talk. But it's another thing when you're trying to talk to somebody and share the most vulnerable part of who you are, because not everybody's always been safe. And when you find somebody that is safe, it takes a long time to believe that they're actually safe. That is what James has done for me in our marriage. He has allowed me to open up and know that he is safe and I can trust him. Also, in Colossians 3.19, which I'm going to go back up to verse 17 because this is something that we've talked about before. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Master Yeshua, giving thanks to Yahweh the Father through him. Wives, subject yourselves to your own husbands, as is proper in the Master, and the Master being Yeshua, our Savior. And husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Wow. That tells us a lot about what love looks like and how our Savior loves us. The marriage relationship is supposed to be an example of the church to our Savior. And the church, meaning the capital C church, as in the body of Yeshua HaMashiach, those would be the members, the people, you, me, whoever calls themselves a believer and is following after him. Our marriage relationship on this earth is an example of that relationship with our creator and his son, our savior. And my husband has done such an amazing job of loving me through the years. I am a completely different person than I was when we got married 18 years ago. I am a completely different person than I was 10 years ago. And I'm a completely different person than I was even two years ago. I'm continually growing because he is sharpening me when I have questions, when I want to seek something out, when I want to understand scripture better, 
he jumps in and he's like, hey, let's look into that. Let's read that. Let's let's figure that out together. Let's go hand in hand. Our testimony that we gave before about how it hasn't always been that easy, right? We haven't always sought after Yahweh together. It was he had his part and I did my part. And, you know, then we tried to collaborate together. Now it's I have my prayer time. He has his prayer time. And we actually collaborate together. We actually come together and communicate the deepest parts of our heart that we were unable to do before. So in honor of our 18th wedding anniversary, I just wanted everybody to know you can be best friends with your spouse. You can give that part of your heart and you can understand your roles in a marriage knowing that it's a partnership. It's not him being the head over you and you being subservient. And I don't believe Any of the churches that teach that, I feel like they are completely taking scripture out of context and the whole understanding of who our creator is and who our savior is and how he has taught us to live as the body. But knowing and believing that your spouse has your best interest at heart all the time, that they're not preferring themselves. And sometimes if they are, they may be doing it out of self-preservation. And I'm sitting in my car recording this and James is out mowing the lawn. If you hear the lawnmower behind me, (laughs) that's what's happening. So with all of that said, I just want to thank my husband, Joseph James Goodgesell. Thank you for humbling yourself, for serving your wife, for loving your wife so unconditionally that it brings her to tears at the thought of the things that you do for her. Thank you for being my best friend. Thank you for serving our children so lovingly. And thank you for being a man of integrity, a man of your word, and a man who walks and lives to glorify Yahweh with everything that you have. I am honored to call myself your wife, and I am blessed to be your friend. Thanks for listening to this episode of Stay at Home, Mom. Don't forget to check out our affiliate link below with Rejuva Minerals, which is a U.S.-based makeup and skincare company that strives to do everything in the most clean and safe way possible. You won't regret using their makeup. It has been the only makeup that we use for over 10 years. You can also hit me up on Instagram, see what's happening on our homestead, all the different things that have been going on. You can shoot me messages, ideas, tips, anything that you want me to talk about if you have topics that you want me to address on the podcast. I would love extra ideas. I appreciate you. I pray that you have an amazingly blessed week, that you build your home with your own two hands and you build up your family and encourage them in everything you do. We'll connect next week.